Yeah, welcome. It's wonderful to have you all. It really is. And um, yeah, welcome. You know, when Wayne said everyone closed their eyes, I imagined how fun it would be if we tricked you and like all the leaders just quietly left and he opened us. <laughs> you know, what would be wonderful if it made no difference to the service. Yeah? Because you come to meet the Lord. So, I'm going to just jump right into this for the sake of time. And uh, please turn on your Bibles to uh, John, chapter, John chapter 10. Actually, no. Go to, to Psalm 29. So, just a quick thing to say. If something doesn't come up behind me on the screen there, please don't worry about the people at the back. I'm not sure which direction the Lord's going to take this, and I may be going into things that aren't up there. But, but let's go into Psalm 29. This is one of those examples. It's not up there. But you bring your Bibles, and it's wonderful, so it's great. And uh, you know where the Psalms is. It's kind of in the middle. So it says here in Psalm 29, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Think about that. What does it mean for, some, for the voice to be full of majesty? Yes, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon... Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Go down to verse 7. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness at Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strip the forest bare. And in His temple, everyone says, Glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. And the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. How? By his voice. So, last week we launched into something out of John 9 and John 10. And uh, we're going to continue with that for today and probably the next few weeks. And John 9 is about a man born blind. And it's, it's very important. We went into it last week for the reason that it is the context of John 10. doesn't take a rocket scientist. And um, Jesus heals a man born blind. And what you see in John 9 is in it, the way we looked at it, the lens we used, is a religious system that cannot see who the Lord is, cannot discern what He's doing, has no sense of who He came to be and what He came to do. And they are so preoccupied with their religious system, but actually the Lord is standing in front of them. And so we looked at a little bit of that last week, and this is the context which we have a very well-known chapter of, in the Bible, some very well-known scriptures of John chapter 10, but the context is important. So, in John chapter 10, we're going to look at that today, it talks a lot about the voice of the Lord. And it's very helpful in our day, and it was so encouraging to me. I did not know, by the way, Marsha came to me after the service last week. She says, you know, all the ladies in the church, all the, the study that they're doing together is John 9 and 10. And I said, nope. And it's encouraging, because sometimes you want to, there's, there's a lot, 
and you want to say, Lord, where and when? What and when? And it's always encouraging to know that we're hearing from the same Holy Spirit. But John chapter 10, it's helpful because there are so many voices today, like I said last week. I cannot recap last week. I encourage you to go and listen to it if you want to, be, uh, if you want to understand a little bit of John 9. But there's so many voices today. You know, and as I said last week, they just need a screen. They don't need to have done anything in their life. They just need a screen and buy a microphone, and they become influencers. And their voices, all sorts of voices. Everyone has an iP- an, uh, what's it called, a podcast or a, or a YouTube channel or some social media. I'm not on any of that stuff, and I thank the Lord that I'm not. I really do. But some people have to be, and we understand that. But it's, there's so many voices coming at you, and it muddies the water, and it confuses, and it takes away clarity. Yeah? So... It's helpful for us to understand some things concerning the voice of the Lord. So Jesus comes in John chapter 10, and he starts to describe what I see as a new covenant relationship. Why? Because mediacy, there's no longer going to be a mediator. You don't go through a person. You don't go through the high priest. You don't go through the law. You don't go through Moses. It's you. The veil is gone. It's you and the Lord. And so Jesus comes along saying, listen, there's many characters to the story, which if we get time, we'll show later. There's many voices that'll come, and you need to learn to discern my voice to the stranger's voice. Because I'm just about to give you access to the Lord. I'm just about to take that thing down. I'm just about to deal with sin, death, hell, the grave, and give you access to the Lord. And put my righteousness upon you, so that you can go into His presence, even when you're struggling, and you can build a relationship with the Lord. So... I believe that what I would call the replacing of mediacy, that's a fancy way to say, the greatest, I believe, one of the attacks of the enemy is he does everything he can to make sure that God's people can't hear the Lord, to have a theology where they don't think they're supposed to hear the Lord, or to replace mediacy, to make a person go to somebody else to find out what God is saying. So they go to church to hear the pastor, they go to their prophetic person who knows, they go to their friend, they go to... The Lord says, I have made a way for you to come to me. That is the New Testament, New Covenant, son and daughter relationship with God. So, I know you've been sitting just a little bit. Could you stand real quick? And I don't want to say I'm sorry because it's not true. (laughs) I'm wondering, many of you have preached from this chapter. Many of you have read this chapter Many of you have heard it. I'm asking us, can we go to this chapter and read it as if we were people that had been living in a religious system with mediators? What they are hearing from the master is not something they were accustomed to. We've read it many times. They are not accustomed to it. He starts speaking about God's going to speak to you. God's, you will know my voice. So can we in a sense, open our hearts to say, let's read this as if we were reading it for the first time. Can we do that? Why don't you put your hand on your heart if you can. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word of yours, which is alive and powerful, sharp and active. And as we continue in this series, we pray, let your word pierce hearts and let your spirit speak to us. Let it open our hearts to hear and understand and perceive and learn and grow and mature 
in the relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's go to John chapter 9. We're going to read the little bit of the last part of John chapter 9 that we didn't get to last week. And we're just going to continue into chapter 10. You know why? Because when they wrote this, there was no chapters. So, it was a letter. So, let's go read John 9, verse 35. Actually, I have it here. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. That's the man born blind. And when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? It's an interesting verse. Oh boy, I'm trying not to preach on this. Israel was told in the Old Testament that Israel is God's son. I preached on this in December. The fact that God has a son is not something they would accustomed to. And he says, he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? This man's eyes have just been opened and he's been separated from his whole family and community because of a religious system. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. For a Jewish man to worship means he didn't recognize him anymore just as a man or a prophet. And Jesus said, very interesting verse, For judgment I have come into this world, that those in the Bible, in, in other places he says, I didn't come in this world to judge but to save. He's not talking about judge like that. He's actually talking about Pharisees and religious leaders and a religious system that can't see who he is. And he says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. And that those who see may be made blind. So he's not talking physical, even though this guy's eyes were physically opened. The Pharisees claim to see. What does he say? Then some of the Pharisees were with him. They obviously picked up, hey, this guy's talking about us. Heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? I love this. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Like you're saying, yeah, we understand, we can discern spiritual things, and I am the Lord of glory, and I'm standing in front of you, and you don't know who I am. Mm-mm. And he carries on. Out of that context, now we look at a relational kingdom that the Lord is bringing into existence when he came. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter, by the, sheep, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. A doorkeeper there represents an under-shepherd in a church, an elder, a pastor, someone in authority, in the house, a parent. An under-shepherd. He is the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. We are under-shepherds. For me, and maybe that's partly why a little bit we are the way we are here. Jesus outlays, for me, you don't have to agree with me, the number one task of authority, specifically in the church, to show people Jesus. To open the door and say, it's him, not us. This is him. When they open, when they, in a sense, make a way, the people see Jesus. They feel his presence. Why? Because he's there. If Dwayne speaks to me and I can hear him, I understand not technology that on the phone. When he speaks to me, I'm in his presence. It is the number one task 
of spiritual authority to make you aware of Jesus Christ and his voice. It says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Not the shepherds, not the under-shepherd, under not the doorkeeper. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him. There's one, in a sense, type of person who's not in this text. Lambs. Lambs follow sheep. Sheep follow Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's okay. Newly person, just get saved. Newly saved person, they get saved. They love Jesus, they zeal, but there's no wisdom. Well, walk with some people. That's good. That's healthy. That's normal. But let them teach you how to walk with him. This is the point. And he brings out his own sheep and he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. Now he is the door, yes, he's the shepherd too, but he's the door in the fact that he was the only one who could give access. So he's the door, but he's also the shepherd. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about some Pharisees. Who are there, by the way? Well, that's not politically correct. They're there. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Plain English. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except, in other words, he's coming and he only comes to do this. When he comes, it's not like he's in a good mood, he doesn't have good days. This is all he knows how to do. That word steal is the word klepto, where we get our word kleptomaniac. He cannot help himself because it's his nature. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Those two statements. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Good, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. Now, people don't like that word own, especially in today's world. Oh, own. Free will, own. He's talking about value. He's, it's in the context of him saying, I will give my life. He's ascribing value to your life. That is your value. The greatest price that was ever paid for, paid for anything was paid for you. That's what he means by own. He's talking about a hireling here, a person who's hired for, uh, I'm a shepherd, but I'm doing it for myself. He says, but a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. Interesting. It says, and leaves the sheep and flees. Why is it interesting? You can get a person who's a hireling that is in the position of some authority, but they're actually a hireling in their heart. They will have gifting. They can discern the wolf. They have gifting. 
but they are not shepherds. They blame everybody else. They can see, they can perceive, they can hear, but it's everyone else's fault. It wasn't me, it, and, and when there's trouble, out they go. So they're gifted, but they still have self at the center. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees. I like this. Sometimes Jesus is like, I've got to really put it simple. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. Amazing. And does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Very important verse. Them also, that's not talking about naughty Jews, badly behaved Hebrews. Is talking about Gentiles. He said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. That's you. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now again, this isn't at the back, but if you just go take some of the, in the first six to eight verses, what does Jesus say, who does what? It actually outlines the Christian life. Literally. For example, what does Jesus do? He enters. He calls. To salvation, he leads, he brings out, and he goes before. That's the relationship. What does sheep do? They hear his voice. They follow him. They know his voice, and they flee from strangers' voices. It literally outlines a new covenant relationship. They know his voice. They follow. What's that? Obedience. You can know the shepherd's voice, follow the shepherd, but not know his heart. You know that? You can, have a, you can hear the voice of the Lord in all the various ways which we'll get into and actually follow him, but not know his heart. It's actually why obedience is so important. Every child, every parent, please obey me, even when you don't understand. Why? For your safety. I don't want to. Well, you will. Why? Because it's in obedience, not from the law, not from you bad, you better, you must, not from that perspective. Jesus said in John 14, five times, if you love me, obey me. Why? Because I love, I trust you. When I say go over here, when I'm going, I go before you. I don't just point and send you. I'm with you. My presence is with you. I will go with you, but I don't understand. doesn't matter. Come with me. And in obedience, you learn the heart, not just the voice, not just instruction. I learn when I look back and say, oh, that's why. I don't see it going forward. Everywhere he leads you is good. They will go in and out and find pasture. He will lead you to a place of spiritual health, physical health, spiritual food, adventure, find. Every place he leads you is good. Every place. So... This is exciting news, because we've never read this before, and we had no idea that this is going to happen now. 
So today, I'm going to be so simple as if we've never heard this. I'm probably not going to get to a lot of things, but I want to give you three, maybe four or five if we get to them, but three very important things. A lot of you know it. A lot of you know you're like, we know that. But we have to establish something, I feel, today in the spirit. So number one, God is speaking to you. It's clear. God speaks to sheep. And if you don't know it, you're a sheep. He is no longer speaking just to prophets, kings, priests, and judges in the Old Testament. It's not a select few. In fact, if you go look at Acts chapter 2. Oh, boy. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2 if you really can, real fast. When the Spirit of God is poured out, Jesus has died, resurrected, and he's now left. He's sent the promise of the Father, with the, which is the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up preaching in Acts 2, and he says, this is what just happened. He says, in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy, young and shall see visions, young, old, men servants, maid servants, man and woman, young and old. I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It's the great equalizer. It's no longer a special few. It's no longer about nation. It's no longer about sex. Anything, age, requirement, young, old, men, women, all the same. And I will pour up, and they shall what? Prophesy. Prophesy, a very, it's not for me talking about the gift of prophecy there. Prophecy essentially is to hear what God is saying and say it. So he's saying the realm that was formerly shut to people, unless you were one of, you know, a prophet, a priest, a king, a judge, or Moses, you know, unless you were one of those. It wasn't for everyone. He said, that is open. That's open. Because how is it in the New Testament that Jesus chooses to lead with his voice? He didn't say... You will sense me, yet you will sense him. He said, you will hear my voice. It means what it means, which we'll get into. Do you believe <laughs> that God speaks with you and in fact has been speaking to you all along? Because in the Western world, we've been taught out of it. There is nothing in here that says that. Nothing. It says, God is in these last days in Hebrew, spoken to us by his son. You know what that actually means in the Hebrew? It's written like this, God speaks son. His new language is son. It all points to Jesus, but he speaks to you individually. And yes, I know he speaks through the word. Absolutely essential. We'll get to that. But he also speaks to you for you. People say, I can't tell it's my thoughts of the Lord. We'll get there. We'll get there. But God speaks to sheep. It is in all the dispensations. It's one of the first things. When I got saved, I had a hunger just born in my heart to know his voice. Because I read from this first to that last, he spoke to people. 
no matter the covenant, whether it was under the David's covenant, Moses' covenant, Abraham's covenant, Edenic covenant, in Eden, Adam's covenant, no matter the covenant, there's only one common denominator. I will speak to people. Cross the Bible. Always. His desire. He's a communicable God, and He made you in His image. Not to say, and we're done. I get a little angry with it. Because of what the religious system has done. God speaks to sheep. He's speaking to you. He really is. He, he is speaking to you. You know, a little while ago, when I say that many years ago, I did a study. It was a lot of work, and I forgot about it. And I came across it as I read some old notes. I put all the words of Jesus together. All the things that he said. Lined them all up. You know the phrase that he said more than any other phrase? By far, actually. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. You know the word, the single word that Jesus used, far more than any other word? Hear. This is a new covenant relationship. I will lead you with my voice. I will guide you with my voice. What's the main difference between an unbeliever and a believer on the earth? What's the main difference? A relationship with God. How many times have you heard a gospel message? And this is the line. You can have a personal relationship with God. Who's ever heard that? Put up your hand. Everyone. This is the line. That's the gospel message. God has made it so that you can have a personal relationship with him. You know what Dallas Willard said? He said this. The greatest disservice we can do, we can ever do to a person is to tell them they can have a personal relationship with God and then tell them that God doesn't speak today. And sadly, a large part of the church has done this for a long time. We say confidently, God changes not, except in this one area, he doesn't do that anymore. It's like a father living in a house that we are told this father is perfect. He loves you perfectly. He lives around you because you can sense his presence. He's there all day, every day. But he will not talk to you. He's put some stuff on the fridge for you to read, stuff he said before. That's not a personal relationship. It's not. It's not. God is speaking to you. He is. You don't have to agree. That's okay. You can be wrong. He is speaking to you. It's all through here. I can show you hundreds of verses. Number two. This is where some of you are like, uh, you can, you can hear his voice. You can. Why? Because otherwise Jesus is a liar. My sheep, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. You can hear his voice. You know what? It's not something you earn. It's not something you qualify for. I'll tell you, it's good news. You're born with this ability. When you are born again, when you become saved, you are born with this ability. You are born with ears that hear. He who has ears, you are born with this ability. 
You are. If you are a sheep, you can hear his voice. You can. Let's do this. Can you say this after me? I can hear God speak to me. I am born with this ability. Yep. <laughs> now there are various ways God speaks. Sometimes I don't like the term hear because we think like, hello. I prefer the, you know, understand or translate. There's various, in a sense, language, like dreams is an entire language by itself. But God will speak to you now and is speaking to you. And you can hear his voice. And let me say this, it's not dependent on gifting. Oh, I've heard this in the charismatic church. Oh, I'm just not prophetic. It's not dependent on gifting. This is nothing to do with gifting. This is living life. They will go in and out and find pasture. It's everyday life. Gifting may have to do with what he speaks to you about or how he speaks to you. Not if he speaks to you. Big difference. And you can't hear. Uh, you can, not can't. You can hear his voice. It is much like it is in the natural. A child is born with the ability to hear, but they can't understand. There's you know, leaning over the baby. It's like just it can hear, can understand, but it can hear. How do they learn to understand? By keeping hearing. Not by a class, not by a school, not by a book, by keeping hearing. It's that simple. If you don't think you can hear the Lord, you're wrong. I understand it. I, when I was struggling with this, I said, if one more person comes and tells me, you can hear the Lord, you just don't know it. I thought, I'm going to bless that person. <laughs> and you may be feeling like that with me today. But it's a lie from the enemy. You can hear him. You sometimes think it's your thoughts, and we'll get into that. We will get into all of that, I guess, next week. But it's very important. You can hear his voice. You are born with this ability. You may not understand it. So you can, it is something you can learn because you have the ability, and it is something you can mature in. There are an immature sign, and it's actually not a bad thing, is, yeah, oh boy, super, every, everything, God speaks to them about everything. You know, you're sitting at the dinner table, oh, God told me to eat that, not this. You know, God told me to which order to water my plants in. Now, depending on the circle you live in, some people think, oh, that's super spiritual. Other people, most people go, mm -mm. You know, I'll say this. It might not be a lie, but what does that sound like? It's what you do with a child. Do this, do that, brush your teeth, make your bed, get dressed. You hope when they're 30. <laughs> you hope. It's actually good if they can hear. And it doesn't mean God speaks to you less, but he shouldn't. It's not every little thing. But he sees and is interested and invested in every little thing. The voice of the Lord can become so sharp 
and crisp and clear. I'm telling you, so clear. He said, a stranger's voice they won't follow. A large part of the problem in the church today is they no longer know whose voice is whose. Number three, God is speaking to you. You can hear his voice. God's life is in his word. I am the door, John, 9, John 10, 9. If anyone enters me by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. What was the context of him saying they may have life? Him speaking to them. When God speaks, every time God speaks, every time he speaks, which is a lot, his nature is released in his voice. His power is released. How did he create? He didn't build. He spoke. Revelations 3, I come to the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice. He describes knocking, but he's talking about speaking. Every time God speaks, every time, his voice is alive and is filled with his nature and his power. That's why Isaiah 55 says when God speaks, it has within it the ability to accomplish what has been said. It's like a seed. It's all in there. It has its own inherent power and authority. That's why this word, the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures, this word is alive, it's not dead. Okay? Very important to understand. And every time God speaks to you personally, I was really hoping to get into that today, but we won't. It comes, my dad did it like this once and I never forgot it. Like this, choo, 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 choo. that's what he said comes down with a living power into your heart, and inside that is God's own nature and God's own power. You don't have to perform to try. It comes inherent with the ability for it to accomplish whatever it said. It's a living voice. The Bible speaks about a living voice. It's alive. It has authority. It has power. It has its, the nature itself, the nature of God. Now, this, don't leave me on this. Actually, let me say this first. Elisha understood something, that the power of God's word is in his word. When Naaman the Syrian, he knows the story, 2 Kings 5, the leprous uh, uh, Syrian um, commander of the Syrian army, he came, he was leprous. He said, go to the prophet. And he went, and what did, what did Elisha do? He didn't even bother coming out. He sent his servant and said, go tell him to do this. And he got all offended, but then he did it and he was healed. Why? Elisha understood something. It's not the presence of the prophet. It's the words that God said. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. What God has said can do it by itself. Or tell him, this is what God said. doesn't matter if I'm there or not there. You understood that? See, because it contains his life. I know this is simple, <laughs> so simple, but I, I want to stir a hunger in your heart. 
for us to understand in the New Testament relationship, in the New Covenant relationship, it's no longer a mediator. God is speaking to you. You can hear his voice. And in that is his very person, his nature, his power. It will accomplish what it said. Now, there is a difference. Oh boy, here we go. Between the voice of my conscience and the voice of the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. A lot of people are taught, you know, follow your conscience. As if like that's the Spirit of God speaking to them. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You know, it was never God's intention for you to have to choose between good and evil. How did God lead them before the fall? How did God, he walked and he talked with them. It wasn't good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. It was his original intention and still is, is to lead by his voice through relationship. When the fall came, what happened? They ate of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, which was actually what? Like the tree of death. Why? Because if you eat of it, you die. That's the fruit. The tree of death, the tree of life. They ate of the tree of death. And the conscience within them became corrupted, and they still have the ability, every person still has it, every normal being on the earth has the ability to know right and wrong, light and dark, good and evil. It's in them. Their conscience speaks to them. But that doesn't mean it's the voice of the Lord. Why do I say this? You know what the Bible says about your conscience? The Bible says your conscience can be seared as with a hot iron. You can't sear the Lord. The Bible says the conscience can be defiled. Your conscience can condemn you. Your conscience can be good. Your conscience can be pure. Your conscience sometimes can come and go and sway according to culture, according to upbringing. I hope I haven't lost some of you on that. They died spiritually when they ate of the tree of death. What? Why did that happen? They listened to a stranger's voice. Some guy, some thing comes in the garden. He wasn't there before. And he starts to what? Not to beat them, not to harm them, not to do miracles, not to show them his power. He starts to talk to them. That's all he did. Did God say, hmm, really? Maybe. And they followed a stranger's voice. And sin entered, and death came through sin, and they become, their conscience was, in a sense, born differently. Now they know the difference between light, dark, you know, good, good and evil. But God's original intention was to lead them with his voice, not with their conscience. Why? The enemy knows he can corrupt a person's conscience. He can totally sear it where they feel nothing. The enemy also knows one of the best ways to grip a whole bunch of people on the earth is to create a culture in a nation, in the earth, in a church, in a city, in a state. There's a culture, and that culture starts to dictate to our conscience. And now people are living and they're thinking something is really right when it's really not. Because it's dictated by culture, not by the voice of God. Right now, that is happening right now. Love 
is being said stuff about love. We do this because we love. It's not love. We do this because we're tolerant. It's, it's not even what the word means. Because when a culture has swayed from the voice of God, I'll tell you, friends, his voice has so much power. His voice, when you ever hear the Lord just speak your name, oh, it'll ruin you. He wants to lead you with his voice. He's talking to you. He wants to lead you in business, practical things. He wants to speak. He's speaking to you. Don't listen to the stranger's voice. Don't do it. What happened when they listened to the stranger's voice? End with this. It says... We heard your voice. Once they listened to the enemy, what did they say? We heard your voice and we were afraid. That which God designed to bring you life, they ran from. Because once you've listened to a stranger's voice, friends, every Influence every voice, whether it's the hireling, the stranger's voice, which is the thief, a religious system, every voice has a path to it. Every voice will take you down a path. And once you listen to that for a while, it's very interesting to me. I, th- I can't even remember if I gave this to them. Every negative voice that the Lord describes in John chapter 10 comes disguised as something else. The enemy knows if the devil showed up, boom, and we saw it, you'd run. It's his great trick. It's not me, it's them. Bible, Jesus said in Matthew 7, was it Mark 7? Matthew 7, he said that the wolf will come in as a sheep's clothing. So wolves come in our midst, but they look like sheep. Hirelings come in, but they look like shepherds. The thief comes in, but he sounds like Jesus. The spiritual discernment in the New Testament relationship to understand that's my Savior. That's my Master. Not that. Because they come from a kingdom. One kingdom or another kingdom. And whichever voice you listen to is the kingdom you empower. Jesus understands that. He said, guys, I'm about to give you access. There will be voices that are coming for you because I will put my authority and my power in you and my spirit in you so that you have authority. So the enemy has none. He will come to you and sound like me. He will send hirelings and strangers and wolves and because he does not want you to partner with what I'm saying. Because if you do, he's finished. Because my voice is has my nature in it, my power, my life. So he will do everything he can in the Western world to make sure that God's people stay deaf, spiritually deaf. I can hear from the pastor. And yes, this word is living and active. But friends, when I got saved, I devoured this. Why? Because I don't, by the grace of God, I just understood. This teaches me what he sounds like. He'll never go against it. 
It's a big deal. We'll have to end there. Next week, we're going to get into a little bit of how. I just trust I put a hunger in you today. How, Lord? Where do we... Because you can hear his voice. God is speaking to you. You can hear him. Please say that again. I can hear his voice. You can. And he's speaking to you, and he wants to speak to you. And inside of his voice is all of who he is. It cannot fail. You know, you serve a God that's never lost a battle. Think about that. Never, ever. Never, ever. People have this concept of it's like God and the devil. I used to tell the, the youth, it's not true. It's just God. The opposite of the devil is Michael, the archangel. Some other created. Is God? That's it. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Tommy.